0: being able to invest from your own house, you're able to make more rational decisions, you're able to look at the data and say, does this make sense as an investment?
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with successful buyers agent and founder of Your Property, Your Wealth, Daniel Walsh. We'll be discussing how to find profitable investments based on accurate data and he shares with us how he managed to build a portfolio worth $4 million from his living room before he was 30. Walsh begins by explaining how he started his journey investing from his living room.
0: I mean, investing from my own living room. I was uh, very fortunate at around sort of between 16 and 19 years old to have a couple of mentors in my life where, you know, they taught me how to invest from my living room and how to be unemotional to property investing. So. Uh, from that, my journey started at obviously the age of 16 years old and I did a lot of research and really working out what made growth areas because I was really excited about finding different growth locations all throughout Australia and I used to do that because I had, didn't have the money to invest. So for me, it was about let's just get as much knowledge as I possibly can. I studied from the age of 16 all the way up to the age of 19 before I even started to jump into my own first property. So I then built a property portfolio over that next decade. Um, it's now sitting just over $4 million with about, you know, just under $2 million worth of debt. So, i been able to build a successful property portfolio but I've been able to do that Australia-wide rather than just investing in one state. So, I'm across four different states currently.
1: Walsh goes on to give examples of the strategies he's implemented over the years which got him to this point.
0: Yeah, I mean the very first thing is what I've done I guess is and what I've learned over the years is. You can't invest just yourself. You need a you need a really good team to be able to do this. So, you know, having good pest and building inspectors in each area, having, you know, a solicitor for each state because each state's going to have their own solicitor, you know, finance brokers to be able to finance the deals and build the portfolio because, you know what, without that, you can't build a property portfolio. So you need a really good team, you know, accountants, quantity surveyors, property managers. It starts with being able to build the team. And what I'd realized at a young age was, you know what, I wanted to invest and it, I thought at first it was just all about me. Where am I going to invest? What am I going to do? And as the years have gone on and I've built this successful team over probably about a 12, 13 year period, I've realized that it hasn't really come down to just me, but my success has come down to the team that I've been able to leverage over those years to be able to help me out in every. Um, avenue you know going down and structuring the portfolio and you know from accounting perspective and tax perspective and then being able to do it from a finance perspective to be able to get through obstacles because there are going to be obstacles obviously as you build your portfolio so being able to have a really good team and and acknowledging that you're going to need a team before you even start that's probably one of the big key things.
1: I think what's really, really important about what you've just said about that is that um, it's not just a single player thing. You know, if you want to be successful in property investing, it's a team sport, and I think every successful team, if you've seen from the sports point of view, um, has a coach, has also you know the right players in place. Like basketball, you know, you've got the guard, you've got the people who shoot, and also so forth. And it's no different in property investing. When you have that team around you, you can guide them through get them through the support. And I, I guess what I also wanted to mention is that they're also experts in their field because you can't keep up to date with all the tax things. You won't have time to go and search for the best deal in the market as a mortgage broker. You won't even have time to even go and look at all hundreds of properties, you know, that that's out there. So there's no way that you could do all this yourself. And that's the reason why you leverage and you pay for people's professional service. At the end of the day, it's your skill and your knowledge in putting all this together to be able to formulate and come, you know, with uh, building up a portfolio. Walsh moves on to explain how he found his winning team.
0: Over years, it's through trial and error. You know, I had some people that may have come onto my team for, for only a few months, and then other people that stuck with me, you know, right up until today because I know that they're really good at what they do. The first thing I've always, I guess, stuck by was any part of my team they had to be very skilled and professional and been in their industry for many years. Um, and as you said, you don't know everything, you know. So as, as much as you can know about every topic, um, laws change, things change. And I know that I talk to, you know, my accountant almost on a weekly basis and I'm always chatting with him and, and talking him about different strategies and how we can get through to the next level. So having that team can do that for you. Now, in terms of choosing your team, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, Research at the end of the day, it depends on what you're looking for. But accountants, if I'm looking for an accountant, I'm making sure that accountant works with property because I don't want an accountant that works, uh, you know, with people that do shares and stocks and stuff like that. I want somebody that's specific to property that knows that industry, that knows all the laws and regulations and how to, I guess, maximize my position. You know, being a property investor. So finding an accountant that is property related. You know, the same thing with uh, solicitors is. You know, instead of me going to a conveyance, which a lot of people do, I find a good property solicitor because I know that if I get into a legal battle in a transa- in a transaction, I need to have them in my corner because I'm not a lawyer myself. So I need to have a really good um, solicitor. So that comes down to word of mouth. You know. Uh, being in this industry for a very long time, I know a lot of people and a lot of people reached out to me. So over time I've been able to build those connections and work out, you know, who's really good at what they do, who isn't, and then being able to sort of slot them into my team. But it has come down to obviously a lot of trial and error.
1: I understand. And that's the experience that comes with, you know, time that you actually gain. Does price come into a play here, you know, in the fees that people charge as well? Because I think a lot of people don't even know how much these things, things cost. Solicitors could be a varying price, there could be also varying prices for accountants and so forth like that. How do you determine all that as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big believer that somebody that's good at what they do will charge fair value for what they do. So, you know, with my accountant, it really, as long as he's doing the right thing for me and progressing me, um, I don't care how much I pay for him. You know, if he's as good as, as, you know, and he is as good as he is, being able to help me get from where I was to where I am today, and he's been a big component to that, and one of those arms, the same with my mortgage broker, I'm willing to pay for that knowledge, and I'm willing to pay because I know that, you know, spending five thousand or ten thousand, I've done this with courses as well. I've spent five thousand dollars on a course, I've spent ten thousand dollars on a course, and you get out as much as you want to learn from that course. But if you spend ten thousand dollars on that course, but that course then goes and gives you a, you know, a property portfolio worth two million dollars, and then that portfolio goes from two million to four million dollars, well, effectively that ten thousand dollars you two million dollars and the knowledge for life. You know, you understand once you once you build this knowledge, it's like a muscle, you know, once you build that knowledge, you're gonna have this for life and you can expand on that. So I don't go too much on how much things cost. What I look at is what is the value for what I'm getting out of that person. So if they're three times more expensive as a lawyer compared to, you know, somebody that's cheap, depending on the transaction that I'm trying to do at that point, maybe I do need that person. However, if it's just a basic transaction, maybe I just need somebody, you know, at a basic level for that. So it's really understanding how much value you need out of everything you're looking at at that point.
1: Yeah, that's really, really important very powerful that you mentioned that as well too because value is key. Um, some people may you know pay not much for that but they might not even get anything back out from that so yeah, I guess that that's the thing you need to just do your due diligence, find out, speak to them, interview them and you know ask the questions and I think that just comes with a little bit of experience and also seeking out recommendations from people who also are property investors as well because those are the people that will actually be able to guide you and give you some guidance too because they've done it there too. So, that, that's really powerful. Okay. So, I guess the other things is, you know, do you want to touch on the other parts of the topics that might be relevant to actually investing from your living room?
0: Yeah. I guess one of the big things is removing emotion. So, why I like investing from your living room is you do remove the emotion. I have invested in locations over time where I've actually visited them after I've invested there and gone, you know what? I would never live here. This is not my type of location that I'll live. And if I was investing with emotion, I probably wouldn't have bought that property. Yet that property may have went up 60 or 80%. And what I've realized over the years is investing is a business. And with a business, you remove emotion. It's not about what it looks like. It's not about what you would like to live in. It's about what are you doing for that market? What are you catering for that market? So when I'm doing a lot of research, I do a lot of this research at home, and I'm able to really, instead of getting my emotions in the way of all this, I'm able to correctly identify what the market that I'm looking at, at that point, what they want. And that's all I'm doing is I'm targeting what the market wants for that area, because every area and market has, you know, different criteria to what looks, you know, what's good for that market. So I want to make sure that I am not, uh, not, not investing with emotion, which is very, very hard for a lot of people. And by being able to invest from your own house, you're able to make more rational decisions. You're able to look at the data and say, does this make sense as an investment, rather than looking through and saying, you know what, do the blinds look like they're the right color to me, which is what a lot of people do. They look at the emotional side of the house first, and the location second and they go oh this house looks great but they had no idea what's actually happening in that area so being able to invest without emotion and then doing the research so the biggest thing with investing with in, you know within your own living room is being able to do the correct research to be able to uncover a growth area
1: And that's really powerful because then that way, you know, you don't have to physically go there. That saves one a bit of time and two, you don't actually have to go in and and have a look (laughs) because all you're looking at is the photos and also at the numbers and if the numbers stack up, then you can do further due diligence and most of the time, you know, you can rely on on experts and professionals to help you because those guys would actually be going in there as property managers or you know, tradespeople to actually give you a, a professional opinion because they're not going going there and looking and, look and saying, you know, I'm going to buy this due to this x, y, and z. I'm looking at it from the point, how can I actually improve on this to give you value and so forth like that.
0: Well, that is the thing with it too. Like when I when I'm investing for my clients, we're sending them, you know, a hundred photos. We're sending them walkthrough videos. We're sending them inspection reports. We're sending them pest and building reports. We're covering this off from every angle to know if this is the right investment for them and also what we need to do to that property. So let's say we walk into a property straight away um, and and we have our team do this. So let's say our team walks through a property, we get all the photos, we get all the videos, we work out what needs to be done to that property. Is there any issues with it? Um, We know straight away what we need to put into that property, so we might walk through that and say, okay, this property needs paint, it needs carpet, it's going to cost us $7,000 to do that, we need to factor that into the negotiations, and you can see how we're starting to remove the emotion out of it to work out what that true value of that property is, and then we can then go back to our client and say, this is the property, this is what it looks like. We already know the area because we've already covered that. And now we're going to look at where its value sits compared to the, you know, comparables in the market. And once we've known we know what we're going to pay for that property, we go out there and we start negotiating on the property. But we know from unemotionally what we need to put into that property to get it up to scratch to rent that property. And we don't need to be emotional about the whole deal.
1: And that's the reason why we hire professionals because then it takes all that out of and then just trusting them that they're going to do the right thing to be able to provide the best, I guess, value and also find the best property for you. Um, and, and I think that's, that's the really, really smart thing to do. But if you are going to do it yourself, I guess it just takes a bit of time and experience because at the end of the day, you're going to have to do your own research and then take all that kind of experience and take the emotion out of it. All right, that's excellent. So what would be another, I guess, um, key point that you'd be looking at when you're actually investing from your living room?
0: Well, I guess if we talk about more so the data. So for me, I do all my research up front. So firstly, if you wanted to you know, invest from your living room and you're looking at investing maybe outside your state. You've got to look at what state you want to invest in first. So you've got to look at each cycle for each state, work out, okay, what's happening there, what's happening with jobs, what's happening with prices, are prices being subdued, are they going to be, is that going to be a good growth location in the future? Once you've worked out roughly the state that you want to purchase, then what I do is I start to get to work on the councils. So I actually then break down all the councils, you know, within probably maybe an hour of the CBD. I break down all those councils to say, what do these councils look like? Are they progressive? Is there infrastructure coming to them? I want to know what, what that looks like from a council perspective. And then from there, we start to break it down into a suburb level after that. What I like to do is we go through 10 key data questions. So I always go through the 10 key data questions every single time. They're the same questions. And what it does is it sort of paints a picture of an area. And what we want to look at is different things. Like first, we want to look at what's the cash flow like? So, you don't want to be going to research a, a, an area for a million dollars if you have 400,000 to spend. If you have 400,000 to spend, you're going to look at those areas where there's 400,000 and you're going to research all those different areas and work out what's the best area for you. Then we start to look at what's happening with the market, you know, days on market, how quickly are things selling, all that type of thing, because we want to see where it is in its cycle. Then we go down to things like vacancy rates. Can we rent these properties? Because at the end of the day, when it comes to you know buying a property, the first thing you need to be doing is saying, if I'm going to get a tenant for this property, what's the vacancy rates look like? Can I actually rent this property out? Or is this going to sit here for three months? And that comes down to local knowledge and getting in touch with property managers, looking at places like SQM Research. So, you know, looking at those up from a data perspective to see what's going on, and then maybe touching base with your property manager to see what's going on with their property management book as well. Uh, We look into infrastructure, population growth, and also building approvals as well. So we're looking at supply and demand of a market. So if I'm looking at a market, the first thing, one of the things I want to know is how many building approvals are going into this area and then how much population's coming. Is supply and demand in check? Because at the end of the day, if we have too much supply and we don't have enough demand for that area, we know that that property won't grow in value, the area won't grow in value. We've got to look at economically as well, jobs. Is there abundance of jobs? Is there more jobs that are going to come to the area as well? So these are the types of questions that you're going to need to ask yourself and you're going to need to create your own report to be able to uncover each location throughout that state to work out what's the best location from there. Then you've worked out your location. You now need to go into a suburb level.
1: After the break... Daniel Walsh gives us more insight into where to find good data and how he uses it when investing.
0: Firstly, I need to find a growth location and that growth location comes from the data. If I uncover that first then I start to look down to suburb levels.
1: We discussed the moving market and how it can work to your advantage.
0: You can look at multiple areas and then really start to play one area off the other, and say, well, what am I looking for out of this area?
1: Walsh shares the five principles he stands by in order to profitably invest from the living room.
0: I live by five principles with, you know, buying investment grade properties, and this is the thing: people buy for their own home, and they buy for what they think looks good. Um, however, we want to in- invest as an investor. We want to be, you know, isolating ourselves from emotion.
1: And that's coming up next. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property Investor. Hey, are you enjoying the Q&A session with Daniel? If so, please keep sending your questions through. Also, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you, my listeners, just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, 0 to 3.5 million dollars in 6 years, 5 steps to high performance property investment, and quote property investory, you'll get 50% off a strategy session with Daniel. He'll personally put together a property plan during this session which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 0431-251-609 and quote Property story. Walsh and I discuss data reports and the options out there for analyzing the market.
0: What I've found in, and what I've found over the last, so I've built my own system. I've had a software developer on my side for 2 years and we've actually built our own systems to be able to collect all this data to analyze it all but what I've noticed is out there is you can pay for reports and unless you go to RP data itself, so I know that CoreLogic RP data, they will do it to this level because I actually asked them to and um, they would charge me $3,000 per report. So every time I wanted to update the report, another $3,000 to do that. Um, and if you're looking at multiple areas and you want to hone down on three areas, you're looking at a, you know the best part of $9,000 just to see if it's going to be a good area to buy in. So what I've done is I've taught myself to know where to find all this data from and, and collect it myself to analyze these markets before I even start looking to buy. Because again, we want to do it unemotionally. I don't care what the property looks like, Firstly, I need to find a growth location and that growth location comes from the data. If I uncover that first, then I start to look down to suburb levels.
1: What's really interesting, yeah, as you said, you know, you can actually get that data even if you spent, you know, instead of paying 9k to to someone like call Logic Data to get that information, you can actually just pay a software developer to actually set this all up for you and then, you know, you'll have a software there for long long term which you can use over and over again which is really, really interesting because I think that's the thing, this information is worth quite a lot of money to be able to help you get the right property because if you do get the right one, you can actually make you know instead of say $10,000 on something, you'd probably be able to make $100,000 on it and um, that, that's the property you know the value I guess that you have on that side of things. What I was also going to ask you a little bit about is you know how you said that there are reports out there and people can actually pay for that. I mean, if you don't, if you just get the report and just read the report, you don't sort of get an insight because the research that you do behind doing all these metrics and looking at all these kind of things gives you a better understanding of the of the property and also of the of the markets as well. Do you recommend people actually just take these kind of steps and do them first compared to just buying a report?
0: Yeah, well, it really depends. Like, if you're just going to be buying a report and doing it on your own, um, number one thing is I've noticed is none of these reports are in depth. They're not really giving you as much in terms of what's happening on with the data it's more so really their opinion i feel like a lot of it's just their opinion on why they believe it's going to be the next hot spot whereas i want to look at it from a data perspective and say what's trending with days on market how quickly are things selling you know what's the average discounts there um, what is supply and demand what is the actual building approvals every single year for the last 10 years what is the population growth are we seeing good supply and demand we don't see that in any reports out there at the moment, you know. So that's why I've been saying to people, this is the data that you need to do. If you don't want to do it yourself, you don't want to pay somebody to teach you how to do this sort of thing. Well, then you should be going to you know a buyer's agent where they have this data. So I know that we do all of ours in house. I've been doing this for about ten years now. It's how I started my property portfolio was off the back of the research, and I was very fortunate that I got taught this at a very young age and how to collect all this data and how to do this. Um, but now what I. do is i actually give these reports that are worth probably three thousand dollars from core logic I'll be able to give multiple reports, and I've already analyzed this data. So we've already honed down the state. We've already honed down all the multiple areas that are going to grow, and then I can just give these straight to my clients. So you know, a lot of my clients are time poor. They can have a read over them, and then they're armed with where to buy, but not only where to buy, but why they're buying it. And that's like, that's one of the big key things, why you're buying in, a, in an area. Because somebody can say it's a really good hotspot, But is it a hotspot because of capital growth? Is it a hotspot because it's, uh, you know, good cash flow? And people just look at hotspot or look at this and say, oh, that must be a really good location. However, the hotspot might have been two years ago. So we need to look at it from now and say, if you can analyze your own data or have somebody that can do this for you, then you're not going to be caught. With a you know, a data asset.
1: Yeah, and that's the hardest thing is because sometimes these report, even though they're saying it's a quarterly basis and they send out maybe you know half yearly and so they did those research at least six months ago and you know, times do change. But I guess the question is is do you know if the mark or do you think the market moves that quick in property? Compared to like shares, shares is like almost daily trading or in hourly trading that changes up and down very quickly. But do property prices really move that fast or property values and area locations and so forth?
0: They can do, they can surprise you. Um, I, like I said, I've had locations where within 18 months they've moved 60% and you know, within about a six to eight month period I'm no longer investing in that market. Um, and then other markets where they'll take three to five years and they're more of a slow burn, they're sort of growing at eight, nine percent per year, they're doing their thing, they're doing quite well, however they're more of that slow burn over time. So um, it really, when you do that research and you go in there to look for that, that you know, location, typically you're going to have a bit of time up your sleeve to do that it's not going to be overnight that these markets move and you can really hone down so you know if you do do your own research and we can you know teach you how to do that research you're not only just understanding one area but you might be understanding all the areas around that state and that gives you a better Uh, indication on where you want to invest rather than just saying maybe this looks really good because i like it because it's near the water or you know trying to rationalize it because you don't really have any back data to, to tell you why it's going to grow you can look at multiple areas and then really start to play one area off the other and say well what am i looking for out of this area and one area is going to be able to do that over another
1: Yeah, totally. Excellent. Well, that's some really, really good tips there as well too. Um, What would be another thing that you'd look out for when actually investing from your living room?
0: I guess another thing is, you know, I live by 5 principles with, you know, buying investment great properties and this is the thing, people buy for their own home or they buy for what they think looks good. Um, However, we want to invest as an investor, we want to be, you know, isolating ourselves from emotion but the 5 key principles that I always look for is so one of them is, I always buy something with good owner-occupied appeal. So over time, it doesn't have to be the best looking property. However, I want to buy in a pocket where there's not 90% worth of rentals there. I want to buy somewhere where there's 20% worth of rentals or 30% worth of rentals. The majority of them are owner-occupiers. So if I can buy something with owner-occupied appeal that's going to rent quite well, and it's not in a, you know, a full rental, blown rental area, then I know that I'm going to have a really good chance of securing a tenant and a good quality tenant as well. Number two would be buying in a quiet location. So I do avoid generally your main roads, unless I'm developing or something like that, I would be, you know, for a good buy and hold, you want to be in Nice quiet locations, you know, something that's going to be appealing to a tenant, but also appealing for if you ever want to sell that property as well. And it's going to, you know, as that area goes up and value, you're going to have less headaches. Um, number three would be always buy the median house price for the area. So I know a lot of people will get stuck into, oh, this looks great and it's $300,000 more than the median house price for the area. We want to be buying the median house price. We don't want to be buying something extremely fancy because at the end of the day, it's a tenant. They're not going to look after your property like you would, and they're going. And we just need to have that property grow in value over time, and we just need to keep that property running. You know, paint and carpet, keep it running over the next 20, 10, 20 years. When a market grows, if you bought a house for five hundred thousand in that market or eight hundred thousand in that market, if it's in the same, let's say the same suburb, but one's just priced higher than the other by two, three hundred thousand because you want the good-looking property, or let's say. If that market grows by 20%, both of those properties grow by 20%. And that's the big thing. They both grow by the same amount. So it's not just about the property itself. You've got to get the location right. Number four would be be mindful of the cash flow. And this comes down to with buying with the median house price. So being mindful of the cash flow. If we buy the median house price, it means we're going to get a better rental return on our property. And it also means we're going to have more tenants in that area for that property. If I go buy a luxury property in that area... I will have fewer tenants because those people go buy their own property that can afford that. So I want to be buying the median house price, and I want to be mindful of the cash flow while doing that. And number five would be buying in a growth location, and that comes down to that research that I was just talking about.
1: Yeah, that's really, really good. It's really interesting that those five principles, especially the one that I like about, um, you know, uh, not buying or buying not in a noisy area, because it's it's very easy to be able to just find a property that's got good deal there, you know, especially the main roads. they like sometimes. 10-15% discount compared to say um, properties are, are you know in the main street or not in the main street, in the quiet street areas and people look at it and go oh that's a good bargain but um, you got to really really do your research and compare because I mean I, I've seen personally a few properties that have come up locally around my area that's gone on a thousand square meter block, it, it's got um, yeah very reasonably good house in there but it is on a main road and I know it's selling for at least 20% lower and you just go hmm it's tempting. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of things that do it, too, you know, even little things. So like when you're investing from your living room, you want to always Google Earth that property. You always want to look at what's around that, that area as well, because you might be looking at 150 metres away. There's a big substation and you don't want that near your house because that's going to devalue it. So you need to be looking at this in and it's entirety when you are investing from your living room and knowing what you're looking at. And again, you know, if you, if you aren't comfortable doing it yourself, then you know you got to employ you know someone like myself, like a buyer's agent, to be able to do that for you. So there's two routes you go. You either do it yourself and you learn how to do this type of thing, or you just employ somebody if you're time for or you just don't have the confidence to be able to do it as well. Now, in terms of what you were talking about as well, it's very important to understand that market. So you need to, you do need to understand that market, and that comes from you know watching that market all the time. I know that I have you know with um, in terms of looking from you know, one area to another, let's say it's the same suburb, the left-hand side of the highway might be cheaper than the right-hand side of the highway. And you need to figure out why that's the case. You know, maybe it's that there's more renters in the left-hand side, or maybe there's more housing commission on that side. Um, And you need to understand that before you buy, because I do see, you know, people go out there and buy a house because it's cheap and it might be cheap for a reason. You know, you've got to understand why it's worth what it's worth. So you need to know how to correctly, um, I guess, evaluate what the valuation of that property is really worth.
1: Yeah, that, I guess that's the thing. It, it doesn't, you can't just evaluate a property unless you've got a bit of experience and market knowledge and that takes time to build that market knowledge up to be able to understand what's going on in the market and you know, not everyone has that kind of time I guess you know, to do that kind of research so that's the reason why we all to look at hiring professionals. Uh, I, I want, wanted to also understand from your perspective and also just maybe an example of what you've done in your portfolio to apply these five principles that you've just talked about. Can you share with us maybe one example from your portfolio that you've been able to do it successfully?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, even one of my last properties that I've purchased, so I purchased the exact same way as I always would but we purchased a property in Victoria. Um, I purchased that with the, I guess, intent to subdivide that in the future. Um, you know, and firstly we we do the same thing. We uncover why it's gonna be a growth location before I even start looking at it. Then once I found that it is a growth location, that's when I really went into it and said, okay, now I need to build my team in that area. So that's when I start to interview everyone in the area, build the team that I need, you know, choosing your team, your building inspectors and solicitors and you know, your property managers and all that. I build that team and then from there I go out there and start looking at the properties. Then I would be analysing properties and working out what's selling, why it's selling, and then talking with agents. You know, getting on the basically getting on the phones and and speaking with different agents and and seeing what's coming up in the market, all that type of thing. Um, and Basically, I bought a house in Victoria. I paid three hundred and forty-five thousand. Within two years, that made or that was worth about five hundred and fifty thousand. But that came down to being able to go through that methodical process to uncover it first, and then being able to buy that property. Now, that property is just an old three-bedroom house. Um, it probably built, I think it was around nineteen ninety. Uh, it's a three-bedroom house that was original. I had to paint it, I had to carpet it, and put blinds in it. Um, But however, I made 60 odd percent growth and I could see past those little things. And that was, you know, my edge to buying that property was as an investor, I wasn't emotional to it. I was investing, you know, from home. I could see it in its entirety with the photos and videos and everything like that. And then I go, okay, it's a good investment property. It's a good location. The rent's good. And I know that that's a growth location as well. So it was a buy for me. And that's how I did that, you know, bought that property.
1: but how long did the whole research process take him?
0: The process of just finding that area firstly was, you know, was researching Melbourne and then sort of honing down into areas. And that generally would take me up to around six weeks in itself, you know, and sometimes even longer. I mean, it takes me around six weeks, but I've been doing this for about 10 years, so... For me it's a lot easier to sort of hone down into those um, areas and work out what's going to grow first and then work out where to start to look but that was just to sort of find out where the growth area that i want to buy then i've got to obviously find out my team and then i've got to analyze that market sometimes i'm analyzing markets for many many months i might be analyzing that market six months before i even look to buy now obviously now that you know for for me, it's a little bit different. I run, obviously, a buyers' agency where we're buying hundreds of properties. So therefore, we're in these markets all the time. So I know what's, thing, you know, what things are selling for. But from an outside perspective, if you didn't, you would probably want to analyse that market for at least a three-month period and really understand what things are selling for, how quickly they're selling for, um, are they selling over asking price, are they selling under asking price, all of those things before you even jump into that market, you need to really know, you know, you don't just want to jump the gun, you want to be able to understand that market first.
1: Totally. It's almost becoming like a real estate agent because when I uh, was actually a real estate agent, went through my license and you know, working as experience and starting out there, I spent a good 3 to 6 months building up my reputation but also doing a lot of research in that area, you know, just to understand what was going on, it does take that long, you know, and that's the thing people just sort of I guess want to understand from that perspective even for people just who are starting out that you need to actually do put in the time and effort and that's the reason why some people just don't have that time and then hire professionals to help them with that because at the end of the day, our time is important and um, whatever you want to put it towards is, is going to be something that you make that choice and decision.
0: That's a very important point too that you made that, you, you know, you've almost got to become like a real estate agent in that area. And it is true because when you come up against buying a property in that area that you're buying, you're coming up against an agent that literally door knocks those areas. They've probably lived there for 15 years. They know those markets. They know those streets. They've sold you know hundreds of properties over the years. And when it comes to negotiating, you need to know that market as good as them. And you need to know what things have sold for, how far away they sold, why they sold for that, what the condition of that property was, how large that property was compared to the property you're negotiating with. Because when you get into a negotiation, the the most effective negotiation is being able to go to a real estate agent and say, you know what, I can match your knowledge. I know this area as good as you, so you can't tell me that this is worth $30,000 more just because you can bring up two or three comparables because I know those comparables and I know that they're not as good as this property. And you need to understand that type of thing before you even jump into it. Because if you don't and you just start negotiating and just say, I'm going to offer $20,000 or $30,000 less, those agents are going to eat you alive because they're going to be able to basically bring out the knowledge that they've been able to gather over the years in that area. So you do need to know these markets inside out.
1: Yeah, on top of that, you're leaving money on the table too, because if you start negotiating, putting a an offer that you think that's that's okay, but then you find out that actually it's probably 50k under the market value, then you're leaving money on the table. No, not only that as well too, I, and I've gone in sometimes looking at sites for development purposes, and you can't trust, I guess, real estate agents. No, no offense to real estate agents, um, but you need to do your due diligence from the side of council.
0: You need to understand everything about that property yourself. Um, For me, I take everything as a grain of salt from every real estate agent. However, um, you know, I do know that the importance of having good real estate agents that you can connect with. And that's again, you know, in, in itself is many months, if not years of building those relationships
1: as well. Totally and that's the interesting thing, you know, they can put it, add up say it's subject to council approval to put a subdivision or a duplex or whatever it is if you're looking for development purposes but you got to also understand that they they don't have, you know, the specific information so you got to you know do your due diligence before actually going into those markets and putting an offer on a property as well. But no, I mean just as Daniel said, it, it's so important to build those relationships because also at the same time, if you've got those strong relationships and they know that you're a genuine buyer, they'll keep coming back to you, you know, as long as you show that that you actually are ready to move and buy something. So I think we've had an excellent conversation on this today actually Daniel. It's been fantastic to hear those main pointers and you know, investing from your living room sounds amazingly easy but when you actually go into more details behind it, it does require a process and I think this is the great thing about what you've outlined here and uh, putting things in perspective.
0: It's definitely a process and I think that you know, um, I hope that a lot more people going forward can invest outside of their own backyard, you know, and that's what this whole thing is about is being able to analyse Australia and the opportunities within Australia and knowing how to identify these markets and how to build these teams. And like I said, if you don't have that time, or you're just nervous about doing that sort of thing, then you should be reaching out to a professional that can help you do that. Because if you don't, you just invest your own backyard because you're just too scared to uh, go outside of that, then you might be missing out on a, a really big opportunity where you didn't even know that opportunity really existed for you.
1: Hey, just a quick one before you go, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, 5 Steps to High Performance Property Investment, you'll get 50% off any future strategy sessions with Daniel. He will personally put together a property plan during the session which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 0431 two five one six zero nine and quote property investory.